It is so good to be here with you. Uh, Rod and I have been having coffee together almost every month for, I don't know, for many months. And we started kind of plotting and planning ways that, I don't know, that we could uh, get to know each other better. And we got this plan of doing a pulpit exchange. And so you might think that's a crazy idea, and I think it is. But it is a delight, it's an honor, and it's a privilege uh, to be able to be here with you this morning. Now, as uh, was mentioned, I come from the Christian tradition, and I'm pastor at a United Church of Christ congregation. And that is not to be confused with Church of Christ. We are at very different ends of the spectrum. And in fact, uh, you may or may not know that the UCC and the UUA actually um, nationally are doing things together which include um, sexuality curriculum. So like Our Whole Lives and Sexuality and Our Faith are joint products of collaboration between our two denominations. And across the country there are congregations that are also collaborating. So um, it's good to be here with you. Now, I'm excited that your theme this month is about expectations. And when Rod and I started actually talking about what was happening in our uh, respective congregations this month, um, I thought, oh, I could really play on that theme of, you know, what do you expect from a Christian minister? <laughs> but I actually found that where my, where my head went was back to a sermon that I did in my congregation that I have been chewing on ever since and struggling with. So I'm being a little self-indulgent with um, what, what I'm focusing on this morning. And it comes from the scripture that I read with you. If you would, would you take a moment um, with me? May we be open to the Spirit. Whatever name we know you, the ways in which we experience you, that you continue to offer life. You continue to help us discover new insights and ways of being in this world that are life-giving. May we sense your presence with us this morning. Amen. So this scripture actually is a parable, and it was a part of a whole series of parables about what you might have heard as the kingdom of God, but which um, the translation that I read actually uses as the reign of heavens. And it was set up as a contrast to the reign of Rome. Now what did you know about the reign of Rome over 2,000 years ago? Well, it was brutal. It was abusive. Uh, it did not take care of the populations of people that it conquered. And that was in contrast with the, with the Hebrew peoples, of, of that, where they said that those who were in power actually had the responsibility of caring for the population. It was experienced as an ongoing realm of injustice. And the contrast was the reign of heavens. The reign of heavens are life-giving. They care about those who struggle. They care about those who mourn. They care about what's happening in people's daily lives. The reign of heavens is welcoming to strangers, offer 
hospitality. It incorporates justice and kindness. And so there were these series of parables. Now, parables are stories, but they're not just stories. They're actually intended to make us think differently. They, they have twists in them so that we expect the story to go one way and then all of a sudden it goes a different direction. So, with this, this parallel, um, I invite you to consider it uh, from our own time, uh, even as we go through this, this parable. So, usually when this parable is talked about, the focus is on, and the first shall be last, and the last first. And I found I should mention that, because this is the last time I'm going to mention it, probably. Uh, because... I'm not sure that's actually the focus in the traditional way of understanding. So there was this, this owner of vineyards who apparently needed workers. I don't know what time of year it was. I don't know if the grapes were ripe, but he went out um, maybe to the local Walmart parking lot where he found people standing there looking for a job, and he said, come work in the vineyard. And they negotiated, um, and and he said, I'll pay you one denarius, and so sent them into his vineyard. Then he went again at the third hour, and there were people there, so he sent them into the vineyard. The sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same thing, and then he went back, and this is, this is kind of amazing, he went back at the eleventh hour. Now, apparently, it was a twelve-hour workday. <laughs> and at the eleventh hour, he went and said, why are you standing here? And this is the first question that comes up in this parable. Why have you been standing here all day unemployed? Because no one hired us. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about, you know, why have they been standing there all day, there are all kinds of things that go through my head. Um, possibly, I think that they... They've been lazing around, they slept half the day, they, they aren't actually interested in working, and, and so I have maybe some of my preconceptions going on. Uh, I'm not sure how you might hear that question. Why weren't they there at the beginning of the day to, to work a whole day and to, to earn a whole day's income? I think that this question draws us in to the parable. Well, so they go off to the vineyard and also work, and then it's pay time. And so the vineyard owner says, okay, um, to the foreman, why don't you go ahead and pay um, my workers to start with, bring the last ones up here first for me to pay them. And he gave them a denarius. Now, those who had been hired first were back there thinking, oh, awesome. I'd be thinking the same thing. <laughs> then, those who were hired in the middle parts of the day also got a denarius. And then, got to those who were first hired and they got the same pay. Now, I don't know about you, but I would have been pretty unhappy with that because it doesn't seem fair that those who worked only an hour would get the same pay as if they had worked all day long. And so they were grumbling and they were upset. 
So the second question comes along. Did you not settle on a denarius with me? Yep, we did. That's what we've agreed upon. A denarius, which was a fair, a fair day's wage. It was sustainable income. Of course, then that raises that question of, so what's fair? If it's a fair day's wage, but someone bought it for an hour, then is it fair that those who work all day get paid the same as those who work for only an hour? Raises those questions of justice. And it raises that question of, well, then those who worked all day long, did they actually get paid less? Was their income somehow reduced by the fact that those who worked only an hour also received a living wage? The third question. Is it not lawful for me to wish to do this to them? That is, to pay them the same as I paid you? Well, the implied response is, well, yes, it's legal to overpay, but it's weird. <laughs> I mean, we connect with this idea of a right to a living wage, of going work for that, that people should be paid in ways that help them thrive and live sustainably. We also believe in rights. You know, if, if I'm an employer, it's my right to pay the minimum wage. That's why we have an established minimum, and I have a right to pay my employees that minimum. I, it's my right to refuse service. It's my right to decide who to hire. We believe in those rights. But usually we don't think about it being my right to be extravagant. So now in this parable, all of a sudden things are beginning to feel really wonky and uncertain and uncomfortable. And we're not sure where this story is headed. And the next question comes right away saying, is your eye evil because I am good? Now that's an odd expression. And I, 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 it needs to be detangled a little bit. The eye was considered to be the lamp of the body. Through the eye is how light got in. And so, if, if the eye does not let light in, it's bad, it's evil. And the whole body will be in darkness. So, if my eye is good, and does let the light in, does that then just mean that your eye is bad, your eye is evil, and doesn't let light in? If I'm right, does that mean you're wrong? I think is maybe the underlying question. So the, uh, the answer would be no, you can be good and so can I. I don't know about you again, but for me that can be really difficult. Because I like to think of myself as good, and then there are contrasts, and I, I kind of go down this road of, if people don't see things like I do, or do things the way I do them, does that mean it's because they're bad? Well, that's not such a comfortable question. 
really both be good? Can we see things differently? This parable was a contrast between the reign of Rome and the reign of the heavens. Now, I don't need to remind you that even though this was written um, and spoken over 2,000 years ago, that we live today in the reign of Rome. That we live in a reign that is unjust. That we live in a time of struggle. A time of brutality. A time of injustice. It's not a time where our reign, our government, recognizes the sacredness of human life, much less of the whole planet. Now, you are a people of justice. You are a people engaged in working to achieve fairness and justice for people in our community and in our world. You are people working on behalf of the planet. Your reputation is out there for all that you are doing. It must feel frenetic at times. Times when you wonder when you're going to sleep because there's so much to do. Because there's so much injustice. There's so much unfairness going on. There's so much to do. There's so much work. There's hardly any time to think. And yet, this parable, I believe, really invites us to pause. And to ask ourselves maybe some of the questions that are raised by the parable. What are our expectations of justice and of fairness? When we picture equality or equity, what does it look like? It's interesting to me that the complaint that was given, and I didn't emphasize it yet because it wasn't a question, the complaint that was given was by paying them the same as us, you've made them equal to us. What does equality look like? Do I really want them to be equal to me? What is our standard for justice? Is it equal pay for equal work? Is there even something maybe that is beyond what we label as justice. Allison welcomed us this morning with questions. Questions about what we expect of ourselves, what we expect of each other, of our community. She also asked what are our unconscious expectations. I saw a sign in my credit union a week ago that said, Dare to expect more. Of course, there the implied attempt, intent was about getting more. But I think that it's worth considering. What, what might it mean to actually expect more? Do we dare to expect something beyond fair? I wonder if working for justice if we ex what we expect from justice, is it really perhaps 
just a marker along the way, a resting station on the path. I wonder if maybe there's even something more like giving than justice. This is a parable. There are many interpretations, lots of questions, many answers which then offer more questions. So, what do you think? What do you expect? <laughs>